Growing up in Australia, I remember as a kid when we were watching TV and how it used to cause fights between me and my older brothers. Depending on which part of the lounge room you were sitting in meant that you could hear the TV better in some spots than others. So if you got to that lounge room last, bad news. You had the bad hearing spot and chaos ensued. Thankfully, that is not a problem me and my kids will ever have to worry about thanks to ARC, the all-new premium smart soundbar from Sonos for TV, movies, music, gaming and more. ARC was designed from the inside out for incredibly clear sound and rich bass then fine-tuned by Oscar and Grammy-winning producers, mixers and artists. TruePlay tuning software further enhances your listening experience by optimizing ARC sound for the unique acoustics of the room. Furthermore, when the TV is off, I can stream music or podcasts or my favorite radio stations from all around the world using the Sonos app. So yes, while I'm a million miles away from where I grew up in Australia, I can still stream Triple M radio as if I'm listening from just down the road. Sonos works with all your streaming services, plus you can listen to thousands of stations free on Sonos radio, tune into local radio, relax with your favorite genres, listen to exclusive artist curated stations and discover new music on our signature station, Sonos Sound System. Honestly, my kids don't realize just how good they've got it. The sound quality of Sonos is so clear and crisp, you will find it hard to listen through any other device once you've tried it. It's easy to set up, it looks cool, and makes any room look cooler. And if you're into voice control, Sonos makes that easy to set up and use too. Go to sonos.com to learn more and get your Sonos Arc today. is delicious. So Sklumper has had a most delicious stew. Thank you very much for the retweet, Squire Roderick. Good morning, Sweet World, and welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Sunday, 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 September 27th. I'm J.E. Skeets, and joining us live here, as always, Tass Mellis. Hey, funky guys. Hey, funky man. We got the bearded one, Trey Kirby. hey out. hey yo. The international man of mystery taking it to the max, Lee Ellis. Friends. Mm. And last but not least, making the magic happen, JD. Hello. There he is. And here we are. Shout out to everyone joining us live right now on YouTube. Thanks for swinging by here on a Sunday morning. Shout out to everybody listening to the podcast, watching a little bit later in the day as well. Keep your questions and your comments coming for our next Beach Steppin podcast. Email them in nodunks at theathletic.com or tweet them in at nodunksinc. We start, though, with the game from last night. LeBron's Lakers. Beat the Nuggets game five to reach the NBA Finals. Tass LeBron headed to his 10th NBA Finals, and he uh, really turned into a Tom Hankey in this one, didn't he? Huge closing <laughs> run there for LeBron. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, the baseball chat has begun. Uh, not only going to his 10th Finals, but I think he said to Anthony Davis, all right, you took over the first three series of this postseason. That was cute. But this finals MVP, it's going to be mine, my friend. Just showing you how it's going to be done in the finals. He was phenomenal. I think Nikola Jokic getting out of this game really early, only playing eight minutes in the first half, kind of helped LeBron. Uh, it did two things. LeBron only had four points before Jokic sat down. And then he had 12 points in the first half after Jokic went out. Not that Jokic can stop him at the rim. But uh, LeBron, throughout the series, he hasn't been great. 
he hasn't been phenomenal, his phenomenal self. And I think Jokic definitely helps. After that, he was going to the rim easily. And it, it also took the Nuggets kind of out of this game uh, because they were able to double Jamal Murray over and over and over again without Jokic on the floor. And it just took the wind out of the Nuggets' sails and they're down double digits. And they, they kept fighting, but they couldn't fight back. Uh, and I did want to mention that really strange Jokic first fouls, a three-on-one and it was that one that they looked to see if it was a clear path foul because Jokic just grabbed Anthony Davis for some weird reason. I'm not sure why. I still can't figure out why he would take a foul when he's been in foul trouble this whole series. Uh, to commit a foul like that made absolute no sense. You're almost seven feet. Just play defense. They get two points. They get two points. It hurt them. He goes to the bench, and he just wasn't himself the rest of the game. And they needed him desperately, obviously, and they, and they really took Murray out of it. And I, I just, in a bigger sense, I just wanted the Nuggets to get a second win in this series. I talked about it earlier. Just because a 4-2 series seems a lot more respectable, and I think this team was worthy of two wins on the docket in a Western Conference Finals here because 4-1 just seems like the Lakers hammered them. But it sure feels like it was a lot closer than that, and it was close going down the stretch, and the Nuggets did keep fighting. But LeBron got it rolling, and he was able to close it out. Yeah, Jokic, those were some dumb early fouls. You're right. Stopping the three-on-one fast break, prompting the clear path review and all that. Then he's, you know, rotated super late and sort of slapped at Danny Green. It was a foul, and I guess the other one was barreling over Caruso and he didn't play a lot in the first and it was disappointing to us I thought because he started offensively like he was locked in right the first defensive totally. possession excuse me Denver possession yeah Jokic splashed a corner three no hesitation whatsoever then Lakers are like okay game plan we're doubling Jamal found Jokic lay up you're like okay here we go then he drove baseline on Dwight picked up a foul on him but unfortunately yeah all that foul trouble and you can't even I can't even be that upset with Michael Malone Coach Mike Malone, I always like to call them both, because you know what you you would say. Well, why not just leave him in? This is a do or die game. Just roll with your star, and if he fouls out, he fouls out. But you really can't with Jokic, I don't think, Lee, because we see time after time he picks up dumb fouls. Um, I don't think you can really trust him, is what I'm getting at. So I get why you sort of gotta um, save him from himself. But Nuggets were a plus three in those first half minutes. He's out there, and then a minus thirteen in the rest of the first half minutes, and that sucks. That's uh, that's a trait though of Nikola Jokic. These frustration fouls. He's done it his entire career, and he can't do it in a in a Western Conference Finals elimination game. He just can't because it just punishes your own team so much. And what you said there is exactly what I agree. With. You hear sometimes guys like you know Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy say you got to roll with your player just because he's in foul trouble. This is a do or die. But I would say it depends that, on the player. Exactly, I really believe because that. Yeah. if if he had stayed out there, I think he would have fouled out maybe even in the first half because he just he just gets <laughs> caught doing those silly things that just you know they they just add up after a while and and they cost your team. So it's a disappointing end and a frustrating end because you really wanted to see the Nuggets give it their all and they and look they fought. You know, it took a special. They tied the game at eighty four. There wasn't it. it it, Yeah, yeah, it was. It was tied at eighty four. I think at the end of like, I think Davis hit a three to end the third quarter, uh, and then they hit another three, and they sort of just kept that buffer zone in that fourth quarter. But you saw LeBron in that fourth quarter basically say, "All right, uh, enough's enough. I'm going to take this game from here uh, and end it and crush the uh, the Nuggets after what was an incredible season." But um, looking at this series now, it's not technically a LeBron sweep because they were up two zero. 
and then it was 2-1, and then they closed it out. So it's still a, 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 uh, it's a douchebag sweep, but it's not officially a no, douchebag no. sweep. So. It's just a five-gamer. It's, it's just yeah. a five-game series. Yeah. yeah, that's all it is. Uh, <laughs> but just a disappointing end to the, to the Nuggets because Jamal Murray looked like he was a little bit uh, banged up there last oh, night. I totally. mean, most players are at this part of the season are carrying some sort of an injury, but uh, he didn't seem to quite have that juice going there last night. Yeah. And a couple of those things that we saw that, that, that the Nuggets when they're playing badly, sort of show themselves. Michael Porter on defense, again, bad. Offensively, he was okay. They had open looks. Jeremy Grant, Monte Morris, uh, Gary Harris, open threes. If they hit those and keep that game within a one-possession game, they're a chance, but they just couldn't do it, and uh, and it ended up costing them the game and ultimately the series. Yeah, what would you think of LeBron's performance there, Trey? 38-16-10. And, and uh, you know, I thought it was going to be a long night right from the jump for the Nuggets when he, uh, with like two minutes into the game, he just like, backed Grant's ass under yeah. the rim with like five He's or like, six let's take a dribbles. ride. Come with yeah. me. Come with yeah. me. We're going to the hoop. And yeah, it was... The Nuggets really didn't stand a chance with Murray not being able to move out there. Jokic put himself into foul trouble early, but like you're saying, Skeets, it probably didn't matter because LeBron was in takeover mode from the beginning. He backed down Jeremy Grant, like you're saying, on basically his first shooting possession of the game. And then when Jokic was out, it was just trying to see how many different ways he could finish at the hoop on the left side around Mason Plumley. He did a lefty one at one point. He did a little righty jelly. He did a little step back floater off the glass. He was just messing around out there. And then in the fourth quarter, it was almost reminiscent of LeBron versus the Celtics back in the day with the no smiles, just pulling up, killing him, slamming the door closed. The king stays the king. And, you know, I think this was uh, kind of what we were expecting from LeBron to come out and say, I'm still the best player in the league here. A lot of people have been talking about this guy's getting old. This guy's getting tired in the second half. He puts up 20 in the first half, has six in the second half. They say, is he washed up? It doesn't make any sense. LeBron is not washed up. He's still the best player on the Lakers. And, you know, Anthony Davis was great, but LeBron is the man. What else can you say? The Nuggets had a great season, and they just joined the long list of teams who unfortunately ran into LeBron. It yeah. sucks. Sometimes yeah. you run into LeBron James. <laughs> yeah, um, that's exactly right. One of the other accomplishments that LeBron should have on the resume is that he turned Dwight Howard into a rim-running defensive center. Nobody else in the NBA has ever been able to do that. He's the first guy uh, to say, Dwight, you're out of your prime, uh, but just – Guard Nikola Jokic. Just guard him. Dwight Howard played 35 minutes in this game. He said he was exhausted afterwards, but he was kind of invisible throughout the game because he was just guarding, he was playing hard defense, and he wasn't scoring at all. To play 35 minutes, to get Dwight Howard not to request one post-up, not one, uh, that hasn't been done in the NBA. LeBron James deserves all the credit for that. Yeah, Frank Vogel's the coach of this team and had a talk with Dwight Howard, but I think it's the leadership of LeBron that puts everyone in line, and for Dwight to have four shots, no request for a post-up, and just to play to what what they needed him to do to his capabilities of guarding Jokic, and he did, a, he did a really good job of frustrating him the last few games since he was inserted into the starting lineup. All right, a little bit of kudos to Frank Vogel, but uh, this is the first time somebody's been able to harness Dwight, and it, it really helped. It really helped get under Jokic's skin. The other thing it helped is the Lakers hit some threes again in this game. Only nine to twenty-four, but that's like nearly thirty-eight percent. So you're gonna you're gonna obviously live with that, Lee. They are undefeated. The Lakers are in the postseason, twelve and zero, when they shoot just thirty percent or better from three. It, it is pretty instrumental to to their success. Yeah, it's they got LeBron. You know, uh, again, still arguably the best player in the world. You got AD. Obviously, might be the future best player in the world. Who knows? But 
you do need those other guys to knock down some threes. And when they do, the, you know, the numbers back it up that they're uh, pretty unbeatable or look mm-hmm. next to unbeatable when you get, you know, Danny Green hitting some threes and stuff like that. Yeah, well, I mean, that's it. The whole thing with LeBron is, like we saw last night, he's still capable of doing it. He just doesn't want to have to do that for four or five games in a series. He needs those other guys to be playing their role and to come out and hit shots if you're a shooter or defend if you're a defender. Whatever it is, your role is you're going to get that opportunity and you have to take it for LeBron because he's shown he's got the legs. He can still do it in in those uh, in those closeout moments. But if he has to carry the team through games one, two, and three by scoring 38 points, that's not an ideal recipe for the Lakers, even though obviously it could still lead to victories. At this stage of LeBron's career, he needs all those other guys to be chipping in and playing their role. And, uh, you know, you see it at times. You see Kuzma's had good games and he's had bad games. Caruso's another one. Rondo's another one. You know, they all have had their moments. Uh, it's rare that everyone does it on the same night. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't even, you know, they don't all have to do it on the same night. But you just need to know that you're going to get it out of one or two of those guys yeah. so that LeBron can go to the bench and get some rest and not sort of feel like, you know, we, 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 we might give up the lead or anything here. Because obviously with Anthony Davis there, he he's the guy who should still be the, the leading scorer on this team. He should be the most dominant player on this team, and he is at times. But he's a different player when you're talking comparing him to someone like uh, the role that that Mark uh, that Mar- Markeith Morris is playing or Kuzan playing or whoever it is. So you know the Lakers at full strength when everyone's contributing, they're very very hard to beat. But their weakness is sometimes you see where you have nights where none of those guys are contributing and it looks like so much of the workload still falls on the shoulders of LeBron and Anthony Davis. So uh, they get a few days off now here, maybe even as much as a week off, depending on what happens in the other series to rest, Um, which I, I, you know, I think they probably want the series over tonight, to be honest. I think they'd probably rather rather play Wednesday than have to wait until Friday. Um, But they don't appear to have any significant injuries. Uh, Everyone will be fresh and ready to go and, uh, you know, this is a pretty good situation for the Lakers to be in that they get a couple of days to at least rest and prepare for their opponent and uh, and see who they play on, on maybe Wednesday night. Yeah, LeBron was resting during the Western Conference Finals, uh, you know, celebration. Yeah. <laughs> He's taking his seat there in the confetti. He got the shoes off. Yeah. You know, he got the slides on already. Already getting his rest in. I, I'm not sure I agree with you. I think LeBron would be completely fine with uh the uh, Celtics extending this thing to seven in the East and him well, getting a I guess, little bit more time. I guess, I guess, in the sense that it makes the other team a little more tired, that they have to go through more games sure. in that sense. But uh, I just feel, you know, it's what's it's Sunday now. They've got at least you know three days until Wednesday. I think they'd rather get it started on Wednesday, but uh, you know they won't really mind as long as it's a tough series and uh, and one team sort of beats up the other team. I think that's ideally what they're looking for. Yeah, I will. I will admit with this game last night, I think the lead got up to sixteen points. Um, pretty early in the third quarter, and Murray, as we talked about, he's hobbling. I mean, he's got the f- bone bruise in his foot. He's changing his shoes. His you know sort of quad and knees banged up too. But then the Nuggets put together the comeback after what happened, Trey Kirby. <laughs> oh, Dwight, you nearly blew it. We got a pissed off Paul, a peeved off Paul Millsap, and that's when the run started happening. You know, Jeremy Grant was pretty instrumental in that. But they came back to tie it. I couldn't believe it. Um, yeah, that was uh, my biggest criticism of Mike Malone was that Paul Millsap, he got peeved, but he came out of the game. The yeah. run did start, but think about what the run could have been if you yeah. kept Paul in there. 14 points in a quarter guaranteed, but you got to give it up to the Nuggets. Uh, it looked like they were beat last night, and it, they, once again, were resilient. Jamal Murray was trying to show us what it would be like if a pirate played basketball out there with his peg leg. <laughs> it wasn't happening, but the quit, they never quit, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, they they earned... A stern-faced LeBron 
uh, performance, which right. is kind of it's that in itself. Losing to LeBron is not a big deal, and getting him to have to play at his hardest—that's almost a win in and of itself. That's similar to like how Andre Iguodala wins a Finals MVP, right? If you do good against LeBron to get to the point where LeBron has to actually play hard, you have done something in the NBA. Mm, that's so well put. Uh, I guess that's like a. I mean, it's a passing grade. That's a B. Maybe even an yeah, A minus. Exactly. A minus, yeah. Yeah, sure. I mean, you're getting the best out of LeBron. That's fine. Maybe take that as a win. Well, let's talk a little bit about the Nuggets. I mean, just moving forward, obviously a pretty miraculous bubble run here. Uh, the 2-3-1 the comebacks, the Game 7 victories. They couldn't do it again here. But, but Tass, why don't you get started? Like, looking ahead, they obviously have a lot of money wrapped up in their star players, in Jokic, Jamal Murray. Uh, Gary Harris is around $20 million. There is Will Barton, who didn't even play in the bubble. Then, of course, Michael Porter Jr. But they have a lot of decisions to make you know, with a lot of like their defensive guys, really, right? Like Grant and Plumlee and Craig and Millsap. Like, where do you see... How do the Nuggets get better? Are you convinced they're going to be sort of in the same position next year? Um, or is the West just you know too much of a wild card, too loaded to really lock in the Nuggets to another conference finals? Like, what do you think for, for Denver moving forward here, or even their season in general? I wouldn't say the West is too loaded for them to make another conference finals. I think this team was legit. I don't. I think if we keep calling Jokic and Jamal Murray superstars, then any team with two superstars should be able to make a conference finals. And I do believe in those two guys. And unless LeBron is stealing Jeremy Grant because they had like a five-minute conversation after the game. <laughs> hey, bud. Hey, bud. Why don't you come on over? Decline that $9 million player option. Come on over. I'll make you millions in endorsements in Los Angeles. I'm not sure what they were talking about, but Jeremy Grant would be... Uh, nice to keep around if if he agrees to that $9 million. But, you know, there's not a lot of free agents, so maybe he decides, hmm, maybe I can make more on a long-term deal right now. His stock has never been higher, but I think they've got lots and lots of great options uh, around the team to let go of Paul Millsap, perhaps, and his $30 million uh, contract that expires this year. So there, there's they, they can work around the edges. Yeah, their stars are going to be the same. You know, you're still going to see Jokic, Harris, Jamal Murray's uh, extension kicks in. Michael. So, Porter, so what, like, what do they what do they need then, in your opinion? Like to, to uh, like around the edges, like you said, like keeping a guy like Grant sounds like you're on board with that. Um, obviously, they need so three and D. They need three yeah. and D guy type guys. Uh, Gary Harris better would be would be really really great to play to his potential. And then they're they're really good. If if Gary Harris is the guy that you know we all sort of thought looking at him, a great defensive player and and. Also can hit the three and hit shots along with Jeremy Grant. I don't think they're far off whatsoever. I think all those guys just have to be good. Uh, and and they have room to sign another one of them. I think there's because the money from Paul Millsap's coming off the books and Plumlee's coming off the books. Yeah, I think that's what really uh, that's probably what they need. Just dudes that can play both ends really around their stars. What do you think, Trey? Just keep this sort of core together. Michael Porter Jr., obviously another year under his belt. You try and get some defense out of him, and you just obviously run with basically what you have again, whether you keep Grant and you keep some of these guys like Millsap. Uh, bring back Grant if you can. Uh, give him whatever he wants. He'll be in demand, like you're saying. He's made a lot of money this postseason because he's been doing it defensively against Kawhi Leonard, LeBron, and Anthony Davis. Pretty impressive while also scoring some buckets. So anything you can do to bring him back, I think, is instrumental. I would also not be upset about trading either Gary Harris or Will Barton with Michael Porter Jr. waiting in the wings. Mm-hmm. His development is going to raise the ceiling, and I think that they, uh, the Nuggets should be more invested in the long-term future of MPJ versus either Harris or Barton. Both of those guys are on pretty solid deals and would 
likely have some suitors around the league. So maybe you can add a couple of players rather than uh, one guy on like, you know, a 14 to $19 million deal. It just seems to me uh, that Michael Porter Jr. has got to get a lot better to really raise the ceiling on this team, to be able to play clutch minutes, to be able to stay on the court defensively. It's also the first season he's been playing, and Michael Malone will have the entire offseason to figure out schemes that kind of hide him. Mm-hmm. Maybe he should just watch a bunch of Kyle Korver tapes. That's a guy who's not an athletic guy but is in the right spot defensively all the time. There are bad defenders in the NBA who are able to stay on the court just because they know what they're doing. Michael Porter Jr. doesn't necessarily know what he's doing, so a little coaching for him, a little bit of tinkering, but the fact of the matter is that the Nuggets have two all-star caliber players who have played together in the playoffs a lot already. Mm -hmm. They know who they are. They have an identity. Now you just got to up the talent a little bit because the problem is they are still in the Western Conference. The Lakers are still going to be there next year. The Clippers are still going to be there next year. The Mavericks are coming. There's a lot of great teams. The Warriors are back. (laughs) Yeah. It's not a guarantee they're back, but when you've got Murray and Jokic, you've got a solid foundation. Mm. Yeah, Lee, anything to add to that? Well, I just think they do need to replace those Paul Millsap minutes, though, somehow. They need an experienced veteran who can help them rebound as well. I think that's one thing. If Michael Porter Jr. can become that guy who can go out and get you those rebounds, that's great, but I'm not sure you can trust him yet. And the Gary Harris uh, situation, I mean, he's still on $40 million, which uh, I don't think he's quite worth that. I think definitely Jeremy Grant is going to opt out. I can't see why he would yeah, opt into I'd that contract. Shocked, right? uh, so if I'm the Nuggets, I would I would certainly make him the priority. It's like, let's let's see if we can re-sign him. And that's probably going to cost you 15 to $20 million as well. So if you can maybe move on from either uh, Gary Harris or Will Barton is probably going to cost you one of those guys if you have to to, to make the uh, math work. Then then that's what you do. It's hard with Will Barton; he wasn't there. We couldn't, we didn't see him. So, uh, you know, is he a part of their future? I'm not sure, but they've definitely got the talent. You know, there I know, like Monte Morris coming off the bench. You know, they've got the pieces in place there. It's just uh, whether or not they will all come together. And I think the biggest X factor is Michael Porter Jr. I think there's no question about his offensive talent. It's just whether or not, uh, and he's a young guy, so it's going to take him a few years before he really matures and, and understands defensively what's needed of him. But if he can, then that's a pretty devastating uh, offensive outlet uh, team they have out on the court at their best. You know, with Jamal Murray there, he can get into the lane anytime. He can hit the three. Jokic, we know how good he is. And if you've got a 6'10 guy who can uh, hit threes and go inside and score, I mean, that is incredible for the Nuggets. So it's it's at that stage where it's like all this potential and all this talent, will it come together um, or will it will it not? I mean, that that's, uh, that's really the question here for the Nuggets going forward. But... I'd certainly be feeling pretty good about them if I was uh, if I was the Nuggets because you've got the young guys growing together, and that's mm-hmm. what I think is important. They've already got a lot of playoff experience as well, so you'd think this will pay off at some point. It's just uh, you know on paper it's always it always looks different to actually going out on the court and making it happen. Yeah, at least their stars appear, and you know they talk a big game about love and playing with each other too. Yeah. I think that's huge, right? Jokic and Murray. I'm with you. Retain Grant if you can. Um, I, I like this idea of maybe moving on. I mean, you have a lot of sort of similar guys, like you guys are saying. Maybe you move one of them. Good thing is they have a lot of their picks. Michael Porter Jr., you're hoping grows into like an even better player, especially defensively. But I will say, as much as I love Jamal Murray, Kitchener's finest, he was a superstar in this bubble and in the playoffs. That he was. But you got to do that now for a whole regular season. And uh, I think he can. I, you know, why not? This, this kid, obviously, he's got a lot of heart. He gets better and better and better. But that's the thing, the consistency. Can he do this? Because that's the real true superstar, let's be honest. To do it basically every night. Every night during the regular season, you know, mark the guy down for 25. And if he's a point guard, you know, he's giving you 8 to 10 assists. Like, that's not easy. There's not many people that can actually do that. So 
I believe he can get to that status and, and will, but will that come in this next year? It's still a lot to ask. Um, or will he have those nights where he has his Jamal Murray four of, you know, 16 nights and, and maybe he's a little sloppy with the ball and maybe we start seeing teams get a little more aggressive at doubling him. I mean, that's pretty wild too there. The aggressive double coming from the Lakers, I mean, right decision. Why wouldn't you? Guy's been a killer in elimination games. Get it out of his hands. And he's hobbled. Make somebody else beat him. Um, but ah, I'm excited for this team. And uh, definitely, of course, not a disappointing season. A weird, weird bubble run coming back from the 3 ones. But weird. damn, was that fun. And the Murray performances and the Jokic performances. I know he, like, sort of petered out because of fouls and has this any and coming running into Anthony Davis and Dwight and stuff like that in the conference finals but he was pretty damn special too in a lot of those games you know in series before this one so pretty uh, pretty exciting stuff from the nuggets mm-hmm. yeah and the youtube chat is going crazy for bull bull as well remember the bull bull game early in the bubble sure. that guy's a free agent as well if you're talking about a potential anthony davis stopper you got to invest in bowl, bowl, bring back bowl, bowl, bubble, bowl. Didn't he have uh, 16, 10, and 6 blocks in the first first game? game yeah, <laughs> I think so. yeah. And he had yeah. that incredible bounce pass. Well, I mean, there's no doubt that there's something there with bowl, bowl. Exactly what it is, who knows. But uh, he was hitting threes in transition, pulling up. He had a decent hand. He was blocking shots. He was rebounding. I mean, there's a role for him in the league. I, I, sure, I'm very sure. excited for him. Uh, I hope he does get to get some minutes and get some action out there because it'd be great to see him. It's a weird offseason for them because Jokic goes into the offseason. Basically, his tutorials will be don't hit guys, don't foul guys so you can stay on the floor. That's his number one objective. Just don't be dumb. And then you can't take away their other superstar player like the Lakers did when he Jokic went off the floor. They said, oh, we'll, take, uh, we'll just get, get after Jamal Murray over and over and over again. He really shorthanded his team there. But Jokic was incredible. And the other thing that goes into this offseason is Michael Porter Jr. just learning how to play defense. Mm-hmm. That's the strange, strange thing. I always thought that basketball drill where guys would just take charges, you just sit on the post, and a guy would just come flying at you with the ball and you just take it in the chest was a useless drill. But Michael Porter Jr. should be doing that drill all offseason. I didn't. I don't know if I was impressed by Michael Porter Jr., like, turning to the side when Kyle Kuzma came into him, un, <laughs> unable to take a charge because he's just never done that before. I'm six foot ten. I can just block your shot. So I don't know if I was more impressed or more stupefied by his inability to play defense. Like he just, it just, it's not there uh, quite yet. So yeah, if he can stay on the floor, obviously he raises their ceiling, but Michael Malone didn't want to play him because he's such a liability on that end. Uh, yeah. So he's, he's just got to learn how to, out of ball and they've, they've got a lot of talent up and down their roster it's just a matter of it coming together um what was the play from last night's game was it michael porter jr going off the backboard to himself <laughs> uh, was it anthony davis's block i mean is there something else i'm forgetting uh the, the off the backboard was pretty good because yeah. usually it comes you know we've seen that from you know kobe or tracy mcgrady whoever it is and when you see michael porter really thudded off the back yeah it shocked yeah. it yeah <laughs> and kuzma was kind of like is that allowed? I mean, it is, but it, it should it be? I don't know. I mean, it's kind of like it, it's it's bending a rule a little bit, isn't it, really? Because you're not allowed to catch it if it goes in the air without hitting anything. But if you thud it off the backboard, you are allowed to. So Lee, I have talked play. about this for years, that you have a sixth player out on the floor. It's the backboard. Yeah. I'm telling you, one of these teams, one of these coaches, one of these days is yeah. going to figure it out. And there's going to be like <laughs> sets running it up, like just throwing it off the backboard. You're right. This is yeah. legal. You can use it to your advantage. Uh, but then that Davis block, especially in slow motion, um, you know, Michael Porter Jr. And, and again, you know, this is experience. Like if you're a young team, 
you don't know. You've got to go up and just hammer that as hard as you can because if you miss, you're more likely to get a foul. But if you go up kind of soft like he did, you're putting it up for the uh, for the shot blocker to go and get it. So, and, and I noticed that a couple of times with the Nuggets last night. I thought offensively they just weren't aggressive enough. Mm-hmm. And that's something that you just learn in uh, going up against a team like the Lakers. Like LeBron driving into the paint last night, going in, trying to uh, draw contact, trying to get fouls because that's what experienced teams do is they, they try to make put the pressure on the referees to make those calls. And the Nuggets, a couple of times, it's like they had open shots and they made an extra pass. And it's like, you've got to hit those shots or you've got to try to draw the uh, contact from the defender. So, you know, they'll, they'll learn from this, which is fine. You know, you don't. no one really expected the young team to be able to take down the Lakers, uh, you know, in, in seven. I mean, I had them in six, but who cares? Uh, but, you know, that that's, again, that's just how you learn over, over time by going up against teams that have been there before and uh, know how to finish off a series. Right. We said it from game one. It felt like the Lakers were the big brother in this series to, yeah. to the younger brother Nuggets. And it uh, sort of appeared again in game five, I thought, especially, yeah, with LeBron attacking, attacking, attacking. And I don't think, uh, look, I don't know, maybe Nuggets fans were upset. The Jokic fouls were dumb, but it wasn't oh. the referees oh. screwing the yeah. Nuggets in game five or no. anything like that, in my, in my opinion. LeBron I mean, what... got some, uh, some nice calls for sure, like on that one uh, continuation where he got fouled, had time to look at the ref, Fair. That have one was... a conversation <laughs> with him, and then finish at the rim. The next time down, he like, who's he bowl over? He bowls over somebody underneath. Jamal Murray. Yeah, bowls over Murray underneath, kicks it out to Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis gives us the grossest celebration in the bubble. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sniffing the finger. Excuse me, sir. Those were a couple of sketchy yeah. ones, but it ultimately didn't matter because the big shots from LeBron were, you know, from 18 to 27 feet out. Right. Yeah. Right. Shouldn't, he, shouldn't he have done that? Anthony Davis rubbed his unibrow with well he was doing instead. a unibrow celebration <laughs> he hit us like eight like the, celebrations yeah. immediately yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's ready man he's ready for a deep postseason run with all those celebrations oh taz you sort of slipped it in right at the beginning because i saw this on espn it was like their version of true or false and they had anthony davis it, they call it real or not but true or false basically anthony davis is the very early favorite for finals mvp now that was the question before game five like you said lebron saying no 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 if we're going to the finals, it's going to be my finals MVP, and I'm just going to remind everyone. But I, I think it's uh, it's sort of interesting. I think it's plausible, right, that that AD, though I guess it depends who they're playing to. If Bam's matched up against them, you could take AD down a little notch there, and then maybe it is there for the taking if the Lakers win, of course. I don't know. Do, Trey, do you have an opinion on an early finals MVP favorite without even knowing the second team? Uh, LeBron. Yeah, I think LeBron okay. is the finals MVP favorite. Has he ever won a championship and not been the finals MVP? No. Yeah. Not Lee, yet. can you can you picture a world though where Anthony Davis or let me throw out a Danny Green catching fire? <laughs> no, no, not Taylor. Danny Green. But oh, okay. you know, like Dwayne Wade when he won it uh, in two thousand and six. You know, like Anthony Davis should be the guy who leads the Lakers in scoring. Mm-hmm. You know, he should be the best player on the court. That's the, I mean, uh, like in terms of he's the one who the offense should be flowing through. Uh, again, we've seen LeBron can do it, but LeBron doesn't need want to have to do that. Right. Five or six games. So, yes, I can see a scenario. However, I'm picking LeBron James yeah, also okay, to win okay. finals MVP. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Anthony, da- Anthony Davis did lead the team in scoring during the conference finals at 31 right. to, to LeBron's 27. But you got to remember, they're also potentially going up against the Miami Heat and Andre Iguodala. Andre Iguodala winning that finals MVP in 2015. So, I think he's the favorite. He is the favorite. Yeah. I think that makes a huge difference, LeBron going up against Bam Adebayo. That is he he's not going to be wanting to go to the hoop the same way he did at the end of this game after he got that flow when Jokic went down. That's it's a different matchup. 
For sure. But does Bam have more of an impact on reducing AD's chances of finals MVP or LeBron's chances of finals MVP? <laughs> That's why Danny Green wins it. Yeah, it's for yeah, sure. It's see, I'm Green. telling you, it's going to be a wild card. It's going to be a wild card. No, no. You're, uh, I, I, it is very difficult to imagine a Lakers championship not resulting in a finals MVP for LeBron. Mm. Very tough. But I guess if AD's, yeah, putting up, you know, 30s and 15s, there's... It's possible. It's yeah. possible. I uh, he did hit the game or the series changing bucket in this series, right? Like the game two game winner. That was Anthony Davis's biggest yeah. career moment. And that was the biggest moment in this series, right? That would really turn things. But it's either going to be LeBron or Jimmy Butler that wins finals MVP. <laughs> you can lock that in right now. Wow, wow. I guess you've got the heat going to the finals. What were you going to say there, uh, Lili? Uh, uh, Danny Green, I'm very interested to see how he starts off the finals. Because we know, remember for the Spurs, I think it was the first five games he had a 33s or something like that against yeah. the Heat. So uh, will he do it again? Because Danny Green, there's a couple of times he's out on the court and you're like, oh man, he looks washed. He looks washed. But then he hit a couple of threes, I think, in the end last Had a last couple of nice defensive plays yeah, he even blocked, last night. He blocked game Jamal five. Murray, yeah. yeah. So, because there was times when he was one-on-one with Jamal Murray and I'm like, Jamal, you have got to murder this guy right now. You'll get past him as quick as you want. But Danny Green held firm. But there's just a couple of times where it's like, it's like he can brick some of those threes as well. And other times it's like a swish. It's like, it's it's either a beautiful shot or a completely uh, a complete dog of a shot there from Danny Green. So, uh, yeah. but he's experienced, and that's what they've got in there for. You know, yeah. stick yeah. him in the corner. He's going to get his chances. Yeah, he, I think he sure. hit six threes in a game for the uh, for the Raptors last year. I was going to say I remember him having one really big. game. Yeah, yeah, and then he probably hit like maybe two threes for the rest of the series. So, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, he threw a crazy pass in Game Six, right? Like, yeah, right. <laughs> like in the last minute, Danny Green he giveth and he taketh away. Yeah, no the Danny Green experiment for sure. All right, so we'll uh, of course wait to find out who the Lakers are playing in the finals, and then we'll do a whole podcast and NBA Finals uh, preview and predictions and all that. So that's a little bit later in the week. We got to take a quick break right now to hear from our sponsors. Hey guys, so uh, hey JD, hey how's it going? Great talk, great talk. Really enjoying it. Really, really, really enjoy pondering how the bubble will affect these young guys and their entire career. If when you think about it. Anyway, yeah. speaking of kids, I have one, and he's in grade nine. Sorry, the ninth grade, as they say here in the United States, <laughs> and uh, he's been assigned his first real essay, thirty-two paragraphs. Back in my day. We were assigned essays by the word. 3,000 words due on Friday. Oh, my God. Kill me now. Anyway, this is what's going to happen. When he finishes it, he's going to go to Rachel. and He's going to say, I'm done my essay. And she's going to say, give it to your father to read. (laughs) Oh, my God. Don't get me wrong. I love my son. But the last thing I want to do is plow through his first attempt at a 32-paragraph essay, which I guarantee will be the first draft. There's no way he's even going to read it once before giving it to me. So you better believe that that thing's going straight into Grammarly before I even lay eyes on it. Grammarly is the digital writing tool you can always rely on to get your message across clearly and effectively. And we've got the premium version, which features clarity suggestions. Those sentences are going to be clear, concise, and crisp. By cutting out unnecessary words. This essay is going to be 25 paragraphs by the time Grant is going to He's going to go, damn it, I got to go write more? <laughs> Grammarly is the digital writing assistant that helps more than 20 million people put their best words forward. Want deeper insights on your writing? Grammarly Premium gives you advanced feedback on tone, word choice, punctuation, and more. Get 20% off Grammarly Premium when you sign up at grammarly.com slash noducks. That's 20% off Grammarly Premium 
at Grammarly.com slash no dunks. G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash no dunks. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. All right, let's hit the beach. Let's get a few questions in. Oh, yeah. Step in on the beach. Keep your questions coming. No dunks at theathletic.com. Tweet them in at no dunks inc. Got a few here for you on a Sunday. Hey there, no dunks crew. Social media is now such a part of following the league that it's kind of hard to remember basketball without it. The posters, the memes, the snark, the fashion. It's just part of the NBA ecosystem, excuse me, now, and we kind of take it for granted. But it wasn't always like this, and it's crazy to think how we missed out on so much. So which players or moments from the pre-Twitter era, so Twitter launched in 2006, would have been great for social media? Can you imagine NBA Twitter after Pippen's dunk on Ewing or Iverson stepping over Ty Lue? What would Wilt Chamberlain's IG stories be like? Uh, Rated R. And who would watch Bill Walton's live stream from yet another Grateful Dead concert? Trey Kirby would, that's for sure. I'd love to hear your ideas. Pint of Foster's Pork Scratchings. Jager bombs. That's from Sam in Poland. This is a really fun question. Players or moments from the pre-Twitter era that uh, you would have loved to seen with social media in our lives, Trey? Sure seems like Wilt Chamberlain's IG stories would be exactly like Ty Lawson's IG stories. <laughs> so, yeah, those would, uh, I don't think um, those would be approved on, mm-hmm. <laughs> on Instagram most of the time, but there would be a lot of great stuff. Uh, we kind of just went through the last dance in May. That was fun reliving during the social yep. media. Basically, all of the Chicago Bulls moments from the 90s, which were huge stories back in the day, which was even before the 24-hour news cycle. Would have been crazy. But for me, I just wish we could have all the great Knicks fans we've had today. During the Knicks choking era in the 1990s, like Charles Smith's layups getting blocked five times versus the Bulls in 93. Or Reggie putting up 25 in the fourth quarter in 1994, hitting Spike Lee with the choke or when they blew a fourth quarter lead in game seven of the 94 <laughs> finals, or when Reggie had eight points in nine seconds in the 95 playoffs in versus the Knicks, or that same playoffs versus the Knicks when Patrick Ewing missed a finger roll at the rim in game seven. Would have been great to get Seth Rosenthal's opinion back then, or maybe see what Jason Concepcion puts on NBA desktop as his team is completely <laughs> melting down. It was fun watching the Knicks choke back in the 90s, but that was just like on SportsCenter, NBA on NBC. It would be great to just live it the entire day, yeah, you know? Wow. Yeah, the that, memes, uh, the memes uh, that we would have oh, had, that, yeah. That Charles Smith missed botched layout would have been, someone would have been like memeing, say, at the bottom would have been Charles Smith, me, and the ball, my goals, or 2020 or something, <laughs> you know, and just like, can't, can't finish it off. <laughs> or that I, gif of the guy like walking out, carrying all those cleaning supplies and he just keeps falling yeah, and yeah, spilling yeah. everywhere. <laughs> you know, speaking of uh, Will Chamberlain stories, what about Dennis Rodman in Vegas for, the, yeah, for that? Rodman's for a good one. Or 48 hours or whatever it was in Vegas there, his story. Because, you know, he wouldn't have cared at all. He would have been putting yeah. everything up there. Someone would have said, uh, I'm, I'm in Vegas here with Dennis Rodman. Hey, aren't you supposed to be with the Bulls? And he's just got a big, <laughs> fat cigar like 
you know, smoking away there, wouldn't have had a care in the world. Um, for the conspiracy theorists, back. let's go back to the frozen envelope. Imagine that back in 85 where it's like, oh, the Knicks, are they going to get the number one pick and draft Patrick Ewing? And then all of a sudden it comes out that just everyone would be rigged, rigged. And then the Knicks fans would be like, we're back, we're back. <laughs> championship, baby, championship. <laughs> Those are great answers. Tass, you got any of that? Yeah, it's hard to decide if it's off the court stuff like that because I think the best NBA moment in Clipper or in sorry in Twitter history was the Clippers and and trying to keep DeAndre Jordan locked in the house an off court moment. Mm-hmm. I, I think that was the best, but I, I think an on court moment would be a good a good one on one would have been Sean Kemp and Alton Lister. The point, mm-hmm. you know, a, a lot a lot of great memes. You know, sort of what like Lee was saying there, you know. This guy, 2020, you know, then man, this guy pointing at whatever, you know, you could just do whatever you want on Kemp's <laughs> face versus Lister's face. Uh, that would be good stuff. Elijah Wan uh, embarrassing David Robinson oh. after the MVP was pretty good. <laughs> oh, yeah. There'd be a lot of good stuff coming out of that, yeah. that little storyline there for sure. Yeah. So that's a, that is a great question. Good stuff, Sam. Uh, we'll throw that at everybody in the YouTube chat or everybody listening later. You can tweet at us at No Dunk Sync. Maybe we'll, uh, compile some of the best answers either throughout this show or, or on another one that's a that's a great great email next one here good day the baseball jones <laughs> i have to say i disagree with tass on bunting in that situation to break up a no hitter that's right we talked about it yesterday a bunt broke up a no hitter and as i've learned the the situation is very key here so back mm. to the email it could be because i'm a lifelong indians fan and that's who did it but it's more the fact that Delino DeShields Jr. is like the league leader in bunts. <laughs> He's always trying to bunt for a hit. It was the seventh inning. There's a man on first and no outs in a one-run game. Even if he bunts and just moves him over at least, he has a sacrifice bunt. There's a guy in scoring position late in the game. Anyway, this was my attempt to get some more baseball talk on the show. Does basketball have any unwritten rules like baseball does? That's from long time. Wes Mangum. Of course, basketball does. Shot clock is off at the end of the game. You're up big. You shouldn't shoot. <laughs> but we're not here to talk about basketball unwritten rules. <laughs> this is we're a baseball podcast. Yeah. This is the baseball Jones Wes. Uh, so it's an interesting thing there. Infield was playing way back against a guy, Delino DeShields Jr., Matt Austin's favorite <laughs> baseball player. Uh, <laughs> And it's, he is a guy who bunts. He doesn't lead the league, but he bunts a lot for hits. And even if he sacrificed him over, as Wes said, he gets him in scoring position with one out, which is key. And a sacrifice bunt, it doesn't count uh, as an out. It doesn't count as an at-bat. Anyway, it doesn't count as a hit. Uh, so it wouldn't have broken up the no-hitter if he just sacrificed him over. But he got a clear hit because they were playing way back. And they thought, I guess, that he wasn't going to go. He wasn't going to bunt. Uh, so... That's the situation, and now I'm okay with it because yeah, he is a guy. matters here. Yeah, he, he is a guy who gets on, and it is one of those lame no-hit situations that's coming from multiple pitchers. It's not one guy going nine innings. Mm-hmm. It's a guy who started, then there's a reliever, then there's another reliever. It's an eleven uh, pitcher. Uh, it wasn't an eleven pitcher attempt, but he actually Delino said after the game. <laughs> I'm watching baseball press conferences now he said after the game that he had no idea he broke up the no hitter in the seventh inning it's a little surprising but i guess you're in the game they don't really care i I would say it's not surprising especially if there's a bunch of pitchers coming in and out right 
Maybe it's more likely you're aware that there's a no-hitter going when it's the one-pitcher thing. You're like, God, we can't hit this guy. Anybody got a hit off this guy? Hey, raise your hand if you got a hit off this guy. Hey, spit some sunflower seeds if you got a hit off this guy. No? No? Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. And there was a lot of walks in this game as well. I guess that guy who was on first uh, had just walked. Delino said, I can just get him over, and then we can just crack a single, and then he scores, uh, and then we're all tied up. But hmm. it is still a lame way to break up a no hitter. But I guess it's not, it's not against the rules. It's not against the unwritten rules. No. Uh, it's all right. It's all right. I mean, there's definitely uh, a faction of baseball fans I saw on Reddit angry. But then the other <laughs> side, then the other side say, Excuse me? then the other say, shut up, you unwritten old guy rules. You can flip a bat. You can bunt a no hitter. Uh, so yeah. there you go. I the hate that, that the flipping bat is frowned upon. I mean, that time Jose Bautista did it for the Blue Jays, that was awesome. That was so cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, what, what's wrong with that? I mean, it's like it's like taunting, you know, which is fine in the NBA. You hit a three, you talk a little trash. I mean, that's the same thing, isn't it? Am I am I not? Well, yeah, but I mean, the NFL used to have the rule where you could score, you scored a touchdown, and you can't celebrate, right? Yeah. You basically, couldn't do anything. Oh, if you do have a nice okay. little. A nice little bat with a cricket bat, and you throw it into the stands, and you say, "I'm the man." As yeah, you well, run, you cricket, cricket. How do you? How do you? You know, it's such a gentlemanly game. I assume Lee too. I, I know that as much. So, like, what can you can you show somebody up on the cricket pitch? So, so if you get hit for a home run, which is called a six in cricket, because you yeah. get six runs, often you'll find the next ball from the bowler is one that's uh, a little bit of a headhunter. They go around. Oh. Yeah. But not a, no, you know, so it bounces into the pitch to try to sort of say, oh, well, screw you. But see, what, what can backfire, though, is the batsman is like, I know what's coming now, so he can get ready and try to, like, whack it, hook it over his shoulder to try to uh, hit six more. So, oh. you know, you see that. But, it, they, you know, they wear the helmets and stuff like that, so uh, it's not super dangerous. But, like, uh, is it, has a batter ever hit a six and then dropped, like, a DX, like, you know, chop to his Nah, nut, because, you know? because you don't drop the bat in, in cricket. You know, it's not like uh, baseball like that. So you, you hold on to bat. I would hold the bat and go, oh, you know, shoot it. <laughs> so, you know, like this. It's not called dick it, man. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. It's boring. I mean, you, you might sort of. I've been watching you, for three days. Nobody's done anything. After cool. you make contact, you might sort of admire your shot a little bit. But. Uh, oh, like a little. Well, yeah, you hold the bat off. and sort of, you know, like that. And then you do a bit of what they call, they call it gardening, where you just go and then dab the pitch as if like. Oh yeah, there was a little uh, spot in the grass there that poked up. I'm just going to dab that down. It's, uh, <laughs> gardening. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, Dude, that wild, guy man. just that guy just started gardening after he hit a six on you. Yeah. The disrespect. <laughs> I mean, there, there's been a few incidents in cricket like that. Um, you know, where 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 they get on each other's nerves, where the bowler is trying to intimidate the batsman. But um, yeah, you don't you don't really. I mean, you don't really see too much sort of showing up because it's. Uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just because you got helmets on and. I don't know. It's 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 not like it's not a huge trash talking game. They do do talk a little bit, but not not tons. Not yeah, I saw everything. a clip recently of some guy in the stands of a cricket match. <laughs> Somebody jacked a six. He's hacking a dart, just catches it casually, chucks it back. Even he didn't celebrate. Yeah, that Even was, he's that not was, showing up the rest of the fans. He's like, well, whatever. That, that was, was the coolest thing I have ever seen because he had the <laughs> cigarette in his mouth. He just gave his jeans a little. He sat back there. <laughs> and that guy's a cameraman. Cameraman. <laughs> it was? What? Yeah. Yeah. He was what, working? Well, that's what I could make out from the commentary. The guy, dark yeah, was was well, yeah, he so he he's <laughs> the sweet. sort of uh he's the studio cameraman, but during play 
he doesn't oh. need to be working. So he's sitting, he sitting down the end there. But the way he took that catch as well, he took it like that, just threw it back out there. He's just like, yeah, yeah I'm cool as anything. Has anybody <laughs> caught the ball and run off with it? Or you're just encouraged no. to throw it back? Yeah. Yeah, you sort of. Yeah, you sort of throw it back. I guess. Yeah. But uh, but it, it, that's one of those things. Like if you make a good catch, you know, you gotta like, yeah, look at yeah, this. I people, took a great yeah. catch. I mean, it happens know. in baseball yeah. too, right? Yeah. Fans. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love uh, I love any time. Yeah, the guy's either drinking a beer or he's yeah. or, or holding the baby, oh. and then then somehow still catches those are great. Clips. And you see him like drop the baby sometimes, and he's like, "Oh shit!" Like you know, it's like, like, "Come on, man!" <laughs> All right, thanks for tuning into the cool. cricket, Jones. Yeah, oh, boy, yeah. nice, oh, great, great email there, Wes. Thank you for that. Let's take another quick break before tweet of the night. Hey, I'm Taz Mellis of No Dunks on the Athletic. Do you want to walk into a room with your chest puffed out, your neck long, and your shoulders broad? Of course you do. For me, getting clothes that fit properly can give me the confidence I need to do just that. Indochino hooked me up with the gear that fits perfectly. I dreaded getting dressed for my Zoom meetings, but now I change for each one with a big smile on my face. I did a virtual fitting on Indochino's slick website for them to get my measurements. I didn't have to talk to a single human. There are so many options. Here are a few I chose. A long shirt, because I tuck it in. I got a no dunks monogram, and I decided against a shirt pocket. I sincerely did not think that custom fit clothing was this affordable, and all customizations are included in the cost. The website keeps your measurements on file so you never have to re-enter them. The best part, Indochino suits start at just $2.99 with all customizations included. Indochino is a no-brainer if you're getting married. Visit one of the Indochino showrooms across North America or book a virtual appointment like I did and shop online at Indochino.com. And right now, you'll get $30 off any purchase of $3.99 or more when you enter code TAS, not ass, TAS, T-A-S, at checkout. That's Indochino.com, promo code TAS. All right, time for Tweet of the Night. Mmm, Tweet of the Night. Wow. Twitter. Twitter. The Los Angeles Lakers are back in the NBA Finals for the first time in a decade. So who else could Tweet of the Night come from? Then Magic Johnson, <laughs> oh, who logged on to tweet last night. Here, I'll try to do it in my Lee reading a Magic Johnson <laughs> tweet right. voice. Ooh, and LeBron James signed with the Lakers. He told us he would get us back to the NBA Finals. And he's definitely kept his word. <laughs> wow, that's a short, that's actually a short tweet for Magic. <laughs> Uh, he has definitely kept his word. The Lakers, indeed, are back in the NBA Finals. Magic's, Thanks, draft, Magic. Magic's drafts folder must just be loaded, though, for those end of the games because he often just belts out like three or four in a row and it's all the same sort of stuff. Like, you know, LeBron James became the first Laker since James Worthy to have 38 points, 10 right. rebounds, 5 assists in but game hold on, five. That's, that's all. That's all Magic tweeted last night? That's showing restraint. 
Like, oh, I can't no, believe... Oh, no, no, he yeah, certainly he had tweeted to... more. Oh, I was yeah, going to say, yeah, I yeah. can't believe we didn't see, like, uh, Anthony Davis, his first finals, and yeah. Dwight Howard, I mean, and Rondo, like, salvaging <laughs> their career. Like, you know, I, I assumed he just went through He did everybody. say, with LeBron and Anthony Davis playing great and the role players contributing, I believe the Lakers will win the NBA championship. Oh, <laughs> making a prediction. Wow. <laughs> Okay. Oh, I love magic. So yeah, and of course he had nice things to say about the Denver Nuggets. The Denver Nuggets have a lot to be proud of. Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, and the rest of the young core will have many chances to win the NBA Finals. Well, that you know, talking about that uh, viewer question we had before, imagine Magic had Twitter back in the day when he was playing still. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think about that. Yeah. yeah. After every game, uh, yeah. thanking the opposition, every guy on the team. <laughs> Just doing a, verb, uh, a Twitter box score, basically, to yeah. his team, you know? Uh, wow, I didn't think of that. The only oh. team Magic has ever trashed was the Clippers for blowing that 3-1 yeah. yeah. lead the last the last series but every other team he'll say something nice about you oh absolutely absolutely all right well let's uh get to tonight's game i guess we'll start wrapping this up east finals game six um obviously the celtics in the heat if the heat win they're gonna go to the finals and take on lebron james and the lakers the celtics win we get a game seven baby so what's one thing to watch for tonight uh trey and let's ultimately hear your prediction for this game I am tuning in to see a classic duel tonight. I want it to be Jimmy Butler versus Jason Tatum. They've both been solid in this series. They both have had some really high points, but we haven't seen the best of them at the same time, it feels like. Uh, We need something that could end up on a YouTube clip. Insane duel, crazy highlights, (laughs) unstoppable, clutch. We need all of these big letter words. Um, Ultimately, I'm taking the Celtics to force a game seven, but... I mean, who knows? Honestly, who knows? The Heat are going to have a much better effort than they had uh, in the previous game, whereas the Celtics, it's just a question of can they continue to bring the effort that they've brought in their wins that we haven't seen in their losses. You know, their season is on the line. You would expect a great effort from Boston and a great effort from Miami. Give me the Celtics tonight. Okay, wow. He says we're going to Game 7, baby. Tass, what do you think? What's something you're watching, too? Oh, baby. Uh, yeah, well, I think the Heat will be a little bit more disciplined, a little bit more ready to play, just because that's how the ball bounces after a loss. And uh, a guy like Tyler Hero won't get in foul trouble, which really hurt him. But I'm looking at Goran Dragic. He's <laughs> the guy. He is their outlet. Uh, when things aren't going well, just give it to Goran, and he'll make something happen. He's been phenomenal, and... Again, everybody talking about Jimmy or Hero or Bam, and Goron will be the guy to come through for them. Be a little bit uh, unheralded if they, uh, uh, no matter if they win or lose, he is always unheralded, but he's definitely been the WCF MVP if they, uh, they come out on top. Or an ECF. I was going to say, what? I'm sorry. I got <laughs> I was like, what I got, does that stand for? I got a W tab open. So I was looking at the Western Conference <laughs> final stats. Oh, wow. But they, he is their MVP thus far. And he'll, again, he's going to be big. You think, the heat, you think the Heat win tonight? Yeah, I think so. But yeah, I'm, I'm hoping for a game seven, of course. Okay. Lee, what do you got? Campbell Walker, I want to see him uh, have another big game. He's had a couple of okay games, but I think uh, he really needs to put his stamp on a game. And uh, so I'm looking for him to come out aggressive, hit that little mid-ranger, because he can get into that key pretty easily without too much uh, without too much defense. So I think uh, Kemba's going to try to exploit that tonight. And if he can get going, then it opens the floor up for the Celtics as well. Get Jalen Brown shooting threes. You know, Marcus Smart's going to have a six three-pointer game in this series. It's <laughs> bound to happen. So uh, I think the Celtics have got to be feeling pretty good about themselves. I think they've figured out that 
Miami's zone defense uh, quite a bit. And uh, and they, you know, look, they know the season's on the line, of course, tonight, like it was in game five. And they came out with a very, very strong second half, very convincing performance. I think they're going to do it again tonight. So give me the Celtics. I think we're going to seven, baby. Wow. All right. Seven, baby. Uh, I'll be watching Bam tonight because he said that last loss was on him. And uh, Tice outplayed him, but obviously he was injured as well. Let's see what type of performance we get from him and how much of an impact he has early on. Here will be my prediction for tonight's game. Whatever team gets up by 12, 13, 14 points, that type of double-digit lead early in the game, that team's going to lose. <laughs> so whoever gets the early lead in this one will ultimately lose this game. That'll be my weird prediction for Game 6. But let's hear from you guys in the comments. Let's hear from you on Twitter, at NoDunkSync. Who do you like winning Game 6 tonight? Do we get a Game 7, or is it going to be Lakers Heat? And are we going to be previewing that series uh, early next week? Well, that was fun, guys. Always great to see you on a Sunday. Go grab yourself some sweet No Dunks merchandise at NoDunks.com. I've all but confirmed new t-shirt and pins dropping on Monday, Monday, Monday. So keep an eye out for that. NoDunks.com. Keep emailing your questions and comments in. NoDunks at TheAthletic.com. And if you haven't already, subscribe to The Athletic. Best sports writing in the world. Tell them we sent you. TheAthletic.com slash NoDunks. One dollar a month. Unbelievable. Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, cricket is a gentlemanly game. Baseball is not. Not even close. No gentleman in baseball. Embrace the day, people.